Do you remember what the sermon was last week? Who can tell me the title of the sermon last week? Dare to dream. Week before was break, broken chains, yeah. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Dream big. Dream large. And you won't be disappointed. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are here among your people. That you love us and that you care for us. And I pray, Father, for the anointing as we preach. Lord, that you would speak through me your words. Lord, that they would be yours and not mine. Lord, and that the what we hear from your spirit today, God, would move us to change. Not just move us emotionally, but, Father, that we would be changed by what we hear today. We thank you for it, God. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. This morning I want to read from Ezekiel chapter 47. We're reading verses 1 through 6. have it say amen it's up there so you got it right all right let's read then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east if the front's facing east and it's going that's the way the water's going right okay goes from the face Water was flowing under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by, my, by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. So he took him from the inside where he saw it, and then he took him to the outside so he could see where it's coming out. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my ankles. And he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. And he measured 1,000 as it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. One thing I want to point out is when he's measuring all those things and he says, he brought me through. He brought me through. So this morning, the title of my sermon is Life in the Water. Life in the Water. My grandson, when he was here, he loves the water. He was scared to death of it when he was about a year and a half old, and I think that was only because his mom had freaked him out about the water. But now he loves it. We went to Carlsbad. We went that Friday that we were gone. We went to the beach. And I'm sure that the water was, I don't know the temperature of the water, but I know when I walked into it, it was really, really cold. And my feet started turning red. And my grandson was out laying in it. He was playing in it. He, was, he loved it. And then when they came back to our house, I can tell you for a fact that the temperature of the water in my pool was 56 degrees. 
and my grandson was in the water playing. <laughs> now that's life in the water. That's loving water. And that's the way we need to be. Is no matter how uncomfortable it might be that we love to be in it. Because we need water. Water's a necessity of life. Our bodies are 60% water. All you got to do is go a few days. You can only go a few days without water. You can go a long time without food, but how many of you know this? This is a simple fact. How many of you are thirsty right now? If you're thirsty right now, you're 10% dehydrated. That's why you have to drink water all the time. (laughs) Jim says, cheers. (laughs) Water. You got to have water. See, another another fact about water is food only grows where water flows. Food is not going to grow where there's no water. In this... It's just confirmation. We need water. And we need the water of the Spirit in our lives. We can't do without it. You can't do without it. Because it's like water. You can go a few days without water. You can only go a few days. You can't really go a few days without the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Or like the Cajun would say, I guarantee (laughs) that you go a few days without being on your knees and in prayer and everybody around you will know it and you will know it. That's how much we need it. And the imagery in this scripture is, is of transition. How many of you know that? You realize that. There's a transition going on in this passage of Scripture, and, it, and, it's, and it's indicative of our lives. We're all in a transition. We're all transitioning in some way, in some form. Going from the womb to, ah, oh, it's bright out here. Transitioning from from infancy to childhood, and from childhood to teenager, from teenager to adult, from adult to old person. And, And then from old person, you transition from this life to the next life. We're all in a transition. The spiritually speaking, we're all in transition. And, and I love, I'm going to mention it again on Wednesday nights. We've been going through Philippians, and Philippians is about transitioning. It's about transitioning from looking like what we look like as humans to looking like Christ. That's transitioning, and we're all in it. Sometimes we're transitioning from from parents to grandparents. Transition, that's the greatest thing in the world, is going from from a parent to a grandparent. You know, I remember when people used to say, oh, it's such a wonderful thing to be a grandparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure it is. And then when I had one and I became one, 
It's like, oh, this is so cool. See, you can tell people what it's like to be and how great it is to be, but unless you become a grandparent, you don't know the joys. You can only assume. Grandparents. And then sometimes you're re- transitioning. We've had a few people over the last couple of years transition from the workforce to retirement. <laughs> You go from having to get up at whatever time you have to get up in the morning to, I can get up whenever I want now. And some of us transition from sickness to health. And some of us transition from health to sickness and then back again. There's transition in our lives. I, I, I like the healthy part. I don't like the sickness part. I think I've been sick more this last year, and I mean, you know, not the physical year as far as 2019, 2020. In the last year, I think I've been more sick more than I have in the last previous five. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older. And sometimes we, we are transitioning from sedentary to active. And we need to be transitioning from sedentary to active, not only physically, but spiritually. If you're sedentary spiritually, you need to get off your butt and start moving. I'm not going to say it any, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Get up off your butt and start moving. Your behind is only made for sitting down for a little while, not permanently. then again we're transitioning to look more like Jesus and for those of you who are on in in the Wednesday night what's the word we're ta- we look at and what's the word we talk about when we're transitioning come on say it out sanctification that's the one thing about Wednesday night is it's not just they don't get to just sit and listen they participate and I ask questions I, I, want, I make people, I make them think, because then I'll ask them a question that I, from something that I told them like three or four weeks before, and I'll ask them a question, and I see this. But I'm, make, I'm, I'm getting them involved, I'm getting them engaged so that they learn, and that, that we learn that we are becoming more and more like Christ, and we have to become more like Christ every day of our lives. spiritual growth is a choice. You can either choose to grow or you can choose not to grow. You can choose to be active or you can choose to be apathetic or just plain pathetic. (laughs) But it's a choice we have to make. And I hope you're making good choices. If we want to live a life of fulfillment, we have to choose to grow. You've heard me say it. You've heard others say it. If you're not going forward, you're going backward. (laughs) See, I'm going to make you work today, too. It's not going to be easy, though. 
It's not because you're going to have resistance. That's what life in the water is about. When you're swimming in the water, it's not just real easy to swim. There's resistance. If you want, and if you want to get physically fit, one of the best exercises you can do is what? Swim. Because it engages every muscle in your body. There's a lesson in there spiritually. So we have transition in this scripture. The first thing that we, do, we, we see is it goes from, from being on the bank going in to the ankles. There's a significance here. And that significance is, is when you're standing on the bank and you step into the river, now you are transitioning in from the old to the new. You're making a transition. It's an end to your old life. It's an end. And now you're starting to wade in. But you don't have a whole lot happening yet. See, it comes up where people, people get saved, but they're struggling. And why are they struggling? Because they're still struggling with the sin nature. Because the, the, the enemy is working hard to draw them back and pull them back. He doesn't want to lose what he's already got. How many of you like to lose what you've got? You know what it's like? It's like having all these um, uh, uh, things that you get from your employer and then you go, to the, you go to, the, to the bargaining table and you make concessions. Like you have, a, you have an hour, say you have an hour lunchtime. You go to the bargaining table and all of a sudden now you give back a half an hour. So now you only got a half an hour lunchtime. How stupid is that? You don't give back something you've already gotten. The enemy's the same way. He's not going to give back without a fight something that he's already gotten, that already belongs to him at that point in time. But now you belong to Christ, and he's going to do everything he can to trip you up, to get you to go back into the lifestyle that you were in before. So you're just barely in the water, and you're still trying to control your life. You haven't learned that... You you don't have control anymore. It's just an illusion. See, you still have bad attitude. You still have anger and forgiveness issues. You still have old desires. I know that doesn't apply to anyone in here. And you know how you can tell the people who are stuck in ankle-deep water? the water's always muddy around them. <laughs> They're always stirring something up. I think we call them drama llamas. <laughs> At least that's the vernacular of the day, right? Used to be drama queens. Now it's drama llamas. <laughs> Don't be a drama llama. Ding dong. <laughs> Some of you will get that. Some of you old enough to remember the 50s. They're stirring things up. They're murmuring and they're complaining. 
They're creating issues with brothers and sisters. You know, it's, it's too cold in the church. It's too hot in the church. Music's too loud in the church. Oh, the music's not loud enough. We don't sing hymns anymore. We sing music that's too old. Stirring it up. No, stir that muddy water. It is muddy water. Stirring it up. It's not clear and clean anymore. It's just all muddy and nasty. You're stirring it up. See, people who are stuck in ankle-deep water, they get jealous when others are blessed or promoted. I know no one in here is that way, right? (laughs) Sign of spiritual immaturity. When somebody's blessed and then you're jealous and you're envious of what they got and the reason they got it was because they were probably obedient and they've been working at it and the Lord's been wanting to bless them for a long time and he's been working on them and they've been doing a lot, you know, not failing to keep doing what's right because in due time, remember, in due time you'll reap a harvest and the Lord is reaping, they're reaping a harvest of blessing because they were faithful and you're sitting back going, well, how come I didn't get it? Because you're sitting on your butt. Well, how come I can't? Hello? God rewards the faithful. He rewards the faithful, and he's not going to give the kingdom of heaven to the casual. I didn't say that. Because nowhere in your Bible are you going to find that God's going to give the kingdom of heaven to those who just sit back and watch others do the work. Not going to happen. Instead of being happy, they get upset and decide they'll just stay at home so they don't have to speak to or be reminded of the blessing or success. And then they, they decide to, to come back to church and they, say, and they say, oh, I'm sure everyone missed me. No, not really. Can I tell you quite honestly, I'm going to be transparent here. When there are those folks in the church who get all upset and, and like that and when they don't show up for a while, I'm glad. And when they don't come back, be blessed. Because what I'd like to say to those kinds of people is don't let the door hit you on the way out. But I won't. You'll never hear me say that to anybody. Unless I'm joking. But if I'm joking, there might be some truth to it. Because the people, we want people we, it's an abomination to the Lord to cause division and dissension among the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, I'll quite honestly tell you that I've prayed that out of this church. I've prayed it out because I'm fed up with that kind of attitude. And I'm going to tell you, it was people 
It was people influenced by those spirits, and when they left, the spirit left. Now, if they get their lives back and they they recognize the issues that were going on and how they were being used by the enemy, and if they repent of that and then they get that all situated and they want to come back, more more power to them. We'd love to have you back. But until you change your attitude, I don't want you back. Because all it does is it breeds. It's like having a a moldy orange in a bucket full of oranges. You know all about oranges. (laughs) You know that the rest of the oranges aren't going to stay clean and nice and pure for very long when there's a moldy one, rotten one, inside the bucket or the bowl. I know, Pastor, you're being, really, you're being real picky and hard this morning. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Nobody's like that here. And you, as well as me, need to pray that it stays that way. We can't have those spirits. And I'm, you want me to tell you what the spirits are? Spirit of Jezebel, usually seen in women. The spirit of Absalom, the spirit of Leviathan. You know what a Leviathan is, right? Big snake like thing. Spirit of Leviathan. Prayed those out of this church. And if you want a better understanding of those things, Google them today. Because none of them have any place in a church. See, we had to cut the head off of the Jezebel spirit. We had to kill it, just like Elijah If you remember, Elijah told him, throw her off the wall. And they did. So we need to have some people who are standing on the wall ready to throw Jezebel off. If you see it start to rise up again in the church or into somebody, you throw that thing off the wall and kill it. Don't be kind. Don't stroke it. Don't pet it. I don't know how I ended up on this, but this is, life in the, this is life in the water, right? This is life in the water. This is stuff that has to be done when we're living in the Spirit, when we're living with our lives totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. These are the things that have to be done. Oh, come on. So then the next transition they're making is going from ankle-deep water to knee-deep water. And knee-deep water represents humility and worship and prayer. You're on your knees in worship. You're on your knees humbling yourself before God. You've got your hands raised. You're worshiping. You're humble. 
And this attention is beginning, so now the attention in your life is beginning to shift from you to Jesus. 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 That's a transition. Now you're no longer, you've become not selfish anymore. You're not stirring up, you're not a drama llama anymore. The water around you is, is deeper now. We begin to seek what pleases God and not what pleases us. We get to go deeper in the river and the more, the deeper you get in the river, the less flesh you see. The less of me is seen as I go deeper into Christ. I'm having issues with this iPad today. And the deeper you go, the less control you have. The more control you're giving up. The deeper you go, the stronger the influence of the current. As that water is moving, you get deeper, you start getting deeper, and, the, and you start to feel the influence of the current. Sometimes you just, you can just do this, pick your feet up, and whew, down you go. It's, you're in the current. You're starting to be in the flow. When you're up on your ankles, you're not in the current. You don't know which way the spirit blows, which way the spirit is moving. Because you're too far out on the edge. But as you get up to your knees now and you're forgetting yourself and starting to focus on Christ, then all of a sudden you're starting to feel the current, feel the move of the Spirit. And also, this is kind of a duh, but the further you go, the deeper you go, the further away from the bank you get. And what did the shore represent? It re represented the old life. So the further you get in, the further away from the old life you're getting. And the further away from the old life you get, you can't get far enough away from it. That's why some people like staying in the muddy water, in the ankle deep waters, because they like to stay, they like that old life. They don't want to get rid of what they've been doing their whole lives. And God is calling us deeper, into deeper water, so that the old life is completely gone. The less pull the world has on you and the less influence the world has on you, the deeper we get. Then the next, the next transition was from the knees to the waist. Now there's even less of you showing. And, and your waist represents, or the loins represents reproductive power. Now you're getting to that point where all now you have power and you're going to start reproducing. You're going to start And it's going to end up not being just one, but it's going to end up being two, three, ten, twenty. Because the power, now you've gotten to that point. 
See, we've got to go beyond salvation and worship and go on to reproduction. A lot of people get stuck in the, at the knees. Why? Well, partly because it feels so good. And we ha- we're not totally away from the old life. We're not far enough away from it to where the, the, that doesn't matter so much to us anymore as, as what going beyond it matters to us. Because it's going to take effort, it's going to take work, it's going to take being uncomfortable when we go on to that next step and begin to start transitioning to where we are going to be bringing people in. How many of you know it's not God's job to bring people in here? We'll sit and we'll pray, oh God, bring them in. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. God will bring people in who need to be in. But the majority of the people that are coming into our church shouldn't be people that just walk in off the street or, or hear about, hey, we're at such great services at Touchpoint. You ought to come, you know, poaching sheep from other, other pastures. But it should be because we're bringing people in. We're meeting people in the marketplace. We're bringing our friends and our family and saying, you need Jesus and you can find him a touch point. Because reproduction can't occur in immature people. Can't. You just got to look at the human body. Scripture says that you can see patterns in creation. You can see the glory of God displayed in creation. Your creation? And you can see the glory. The glory, when you become mature, you start to reproduce. Jesus handpicked 12 men. And what did those men do? Change the world. You and I also need to have people that we're mentoring, that we bring into our lives who are young Christians and and that we start mentoring them and teaching them and discipling them, teaching them the things that we know so that they can teach others the things and, th- and then we can learn together things and, but we're mentoring people. Jesus wasn't in a vacuum. We must be progressing and maturing. In this passage, Ezekiel is led into progressive revelation and experience. And it was a choice he was making to proceed. Because at any point in time, he could have said, no, I'm not going any further. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say, I don't want to balk. We talked about this and Paul and telling the Philippians that they need to be progressing and moving on, on that road and continuing step by step, at foot, you know, step after step after step on that road, moving and proceeding to the direction and to our hope, which is in glory. He took the steps to go into the deeper water. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. 
We have, to, we have to move beyond the elementary things. Elementary. What are the elementary things? Salvation. Baptism. We've got to move beyond those things. We've got to move into start, starting to, and producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We've got to move beyond those things, and we've got to start desiring the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts that you have are not just for you, but they're for others. And then what you do is you've got to desire the greater gifts. Some people think in the Pentecostal circles, they think, well, I speak in tongues, so I've got it, I've arrived. No, you haven't. That's the least of the gifts. <gasps> Pastor. I didn't say it. That's the least of the gifts. I pray, I, I, you know, I, I'm praying all the time, Lord, give me greater gifts. And I'm not asking for greater gifts just so I can say, look at the gifts that I've got. But it's for the edification of the body. It's to reveal God's glory in me. And revealing the glory in me is not for me. The revealing the glory in me is for everyone around me. See, what keeps a lot of people from Growing up is they're not taking the steps because they just don't want to grow up. They don't want to grow up. They want to be taken care of all their lives. I can have people take care of me in the church. You're not called to be a, a spiritual teenager or a spiritual child in the church. You're called to be mature adults in the spirit. I must be hitting home. <laughs> Excuse me. The spirit must be hitting home because you're awfully quiet. You've heard that saying, I don't want to adult today. I just don't want to adult today. There's a lot of people in the church, in the body of Christ, who don't want to adult. They want to be pamp. They want to be catered to. They want to be, and you can tell those people. You know how you tell those people? They're always demanding attention. You know who I'm talking about. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. You know the type of people that I'm talking about. <laughs> Is they're always demanding attention. And what happens when a baby starts doing that? Everybody comes around, wants to see what's going on. That's what drives me crazy going into Walmart. Yeah, 7 o'clock in the morning is a good time. You go in there. We were in there, what, Friday? Friday. Started off, the lady, the lady was uh, 
turned down the wrong, turned down, was going the wrong way in the, in, out in the parking lot and expected me to move. <laughs> and then my wife was like, don't engage. And then we get inside, and her, her little girl was, ah, ah, ah. it's like typical. <laughs> but how often do you see people like that in the church? You know, it's all about them. They are the ones who always have a prayer request. They're the ones who come in first thing in the morning, pastor, pastor. You can't do that, though. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm not talking about anybody specific in here, all right? So <laughs> I want to offend anybody. They've always got a prayer request and they never have a praise report. Because they're always asking for something. You know, it's like, like little kids. Your kids, they're always asking for stuff. I remember my kids are always asking for, can I get a toy? No, you cannot get a toy. Can I get a toy? No, you cannot get a toy. Can I have this? No, you can't have that. I need some money. Sorry, I'm all out. Need gas in the car. Looks like you're going to have to walk. See, people like that, they don't want to leave the familiarity and the comfort of being a child. They want to stand flat-footed in the muddy, ankle-deep water where God's been. In, get this. They want to stand in the muddy. They're stirring the mud up. They want to stand in that where God has been or God is not anymore. God has moved. God has moved and they're stuck. They want to stay there thinking that God's just going to stay here. God's moving you. And instead of swimming out into where God is, I guess Siri thought I was asking a question. <laughs> we got to move out into what God is doing. And one of the things that we're going to experience and we're going to learn in this experiencing God study is that that's one of the things, the, the essential things is it's not, we're not asking questions about and asking God to bless what we're doing and where we're going. We ask God, where are you and how can I be part of it? Then the next transition is swimming. The river symbolizes the life of the spirit for the believer. 
And this life begins with prayer, and the prayer of salvation. This life maintained and increased through prayer, and there's no progress without prayer. It begins with prayer, and it continues with prayer. You've heard me beat this horse for the last year or more. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Have I not? I've been, I've been on this for a long time. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And the reason that I've been on it for so long is because it's important. Yes. Nothing happens without it. You can't enter the kingdom of God without it. You can't move from glory to glory without it. Just like you can't live without water, you can't live without prayer. You can't. Let me say this. You're never going to be greater than your prayer life. If you're praying 10 minutes a day, you're never going to be greater than 10 minutes of prayer a day. If your prayer life is every other day, you're never going to be greater than every other day prayer. God can't trust you. Because what does God call us to? He calls us to faithfulness. Faithfully, daily, getting on our face before him. Asking, God, what do you want today? What do you want today? How can I be part of what you're doing today? Because do- I know you're doing great things. Because you're always doing great things. God is never still. He's never silent. Where the issue comes in and where the rub is is that we don't draw close to hear. Not only do we pray, but we've got to read. We've got to gain knowledge. Our spirit will never progress beyond our knowledge of God. How many of you, you, no hands, but you probably know somebody who they seem like they're spiritually stunted in their growth because they say the same things all the time, over and over and over again. You never hear anything different from them. Why? Because they don't know anything different. They haven't allowed the Spirit to bear fruit in their lives so that there can be something different. I hope that's not me in prayer. (laughs) See, knowledge takes us steps. It takes us to the next step. Think about when you were in school. First grade. You couldn't do anything in first grade that there hadn't been a foundation built on previously. You couldn't be in first grade and all of a sudden go over to do geometry or calculus. You didn't have the basis, you didn't have the knowledge to get you that. 
You have to go in steps. And it's the same way as we progress and we mature in Christ. It's a step. It's a step. It's a step. We learn something and then God builds on that the next step. And, and we keep taking those steps until, you know, then we're standing before God. Which means we've either passed away or the rapture occurred. <laughs> A.B. Simpson wrote uh, this hymn, is called Launch Out. How many of you have ever heard the hymn, Launch Out? Let me read it to you. The mercy of God is an ocean divine. Hmm, we're talking about water. A boundless and fathomless flood. Launch out in the deep. Cut away the shoreline and be lost in the fullness of God. But many, alas, only stand on the shore and gaze on the ocean so wide. They never have ventured its depths to explore or to launch on the fathomless side. And others just venture away from the land and linger so near to the shore that the surf and the slime that beat over the sand dash o'er them in floods overcome. Evermore, excuse me. Oh, let us launch out in this ocean so broad where floods of salvation are flow. Oh, let us be lost in the mercy of God till the depths of his fullness we know. Launch out into the deep. Oh, let the shoreline go. Launch out, launch out in the ocean divine, out where the full tide flows. Launch out. Launch out. Are you ready to go deeper? You're ready to go deeper. It means launching away from the, from the familiar, launching out and getting away from the, the safety of the shore. You know why another reason a lot of people are afraid to get away from the shores? Because they don't know how to swim. You're never going to learn how to swim unless you let the Spirit take you Deeper. You can't swim in a bathtub. Even though many of us tried when we were kids. Arms are flailing, feet are kicking and going nowhere. Water everywhere in the bathroom. But we have to get out into the deeper water where we can learn how to swim. And we have to make the choices that take us to the deeper water. Let's all stand. Are you ready to go deeper? Are you ready to get out of the muddy water? I don't know about you, but I don't like muddy water. Not muddy waters. The blues singer. Muddy water. I don't want to be a drama llama. I don't want to be a drama queen. My life shouldn't be dragging others in to the mess that's going on around me. But what my life should be dragging people into is the glory of God. And knowing Him in the fullness of His presence. Eyes closed, no one looking around, please. 
Say, Pastor, I've been stuck in the muddy water. And it's time I moved forward. I need to mature. I need to grow up. I need to launch out into the deep. If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand, please. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. You say, Pastor, well, maybe I'm not stuck in the muddy water, but, but I've been stuck in, in knee-deep water, and, and I've been afraid to go out to, to the place where I'm going to have to work, and, and I, I want to feel, and I want to understand the flow of the Spirit more and more, but I can't do it from where I'm at. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You might even be here and say, Pastor, I don't even know what the water's like because I'm still standing on the shore. But I think it's time that I start moving into the water. I need to give my life to Christ totally. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. We all had to start someplace. None of us came out of the spiritual womb fully grown. Just like none of us came out of our mother's womb fully grown. But there's a process. And we can continue that process by the grace of God. 